Welcome to the Word of God. I'm Father Reed. This week we're going to look at readings from the lectionary in Proper 25. Proper 25. Last week, as you recall, we were looking at scriptures from Lamentations and Jeremiah lamenting the disaster that came upon Judah as a result of their sin against God, as Jeremiah described it in chapter 44. But also Jeremiah describes for us in chapter 29, the restoration. And then we looked at 1 Corinthians 15 and closed out 1 Corinthians 15 and 16 and the short, tiny book, if you will, of Philemon and talked about the runaway slave Onesimus and Paul saying, Onesimus, you need to go back to your master. Philemon, please take him back. And then finally, we continue in our journey with Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, 11 and 12, and Jesus is just doing ministry. What's amazing about Jesus is he gives us three good years, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John recount that for us. So there's always a lot to think about when we look at the Gospels. Well, let's start with Haggai. If you look at the podcast, you'll see that the scriptures are listed there for you on Sunday, Haggai chapter 1, 1 through 2, 9. Now, I could say a lot about this prophet, but again, for the sake of time, we have much to cover. Enjoy reading it. There are exactly two chapters in Haggai, and we are dealing with the restoration. And I want to read just a couple of verses uh, for you, and then I hope that you enjoy the reading this week. The people feared the Lord. That's at the end of verse 12 of chapter 1. That's what you want. You want people to fear the Lord. You want people to not be afraid so they can't move, that they're immobilized, but to take God seriously, as I said last week. You, wanted, you want to hear the word of the Lord, and then you want to do the word of the Lord. You don't want to disobey him. You don't want to go off and do your own thing. Chapter 2. This is what the Lord Almighty says in a little while, verse 6, I will, make you, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and... The desired of all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. He's going to do something even greater. So God is on the move. God is, is restoring the people of Israel. The prophets are being raised up to testify to that fact. Enjoy reading this very short but important uh, prophet, Haggai. Now he's in the midst of the 12. I referred to that last week from Hosea to Malachi. Then we look at Zechariah chapter 1, 7 to 17. If you go right, Zechariah comes after Haggai, and Zechariah is quite extraordinary. He says visions much like Ezekiel. Please enjoy Zechariah chapter 1. Then we go back to Ezra. Now, Ezra is a history book, and Haggai and Zechariah are prophetic books. We go back to Ezra chapter 5. 
Ezra chapter 5, and Ezra's job is to teach them the word of the Lord. Look, now Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the prophet and the descendant of Ido prophesied to the Jews in Jer Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God, of the name of God of Israel who was over them. So that's how, that's why we're dealing with those two prophets right now. So ideally what you want to do is you want to combine the historical facts, the historical situation with the prophets, okay? The prophets of God were with them, helping them. Prophets of God were with them, helping them. So we have the people, we have the prophets, we have the people that God raises up as leaders like Ezra, Nehemiah, as we'll see, and the coming together of those forces and God working through all those people, the people, the prophets, and the leaders is going to restore the people of Israel. Chapter 6 in Ezra continues. So, verse 14, the elders of the Jews continue to build and prosper under the preaching of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah. So Haggai and Zechariah play a major role at this time. They finished building the temple. Remember, they'd been destroyed. According to the command of the God of Israel and the decrees of Cyrus, Darius, Artaxerxes, kings of Persia. Persians are in charge. They couldn't do anything without their support. God is working in favor of them by working with the kings of Persia. The temple was completed on the third day of the month of Adar in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. Then the people of Israel, the priests, the Levites, and the rest of the exiles celebrated the dedication of the house of God with joy. So there was great celebration that God Almighty reigns. Then we go to Nehemiah. I talked about Nehemiah last week. We have the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is raised up. He's a very, very godly man to rebuild the wall. O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. That's what we're called to do. Love him, obey his commands. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayers of your servant. He's praying day and night for your servants, people of Israel. Great man, Nehemiah. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. What did I say last week? We need to repent. Repentance is good. Jesus called the people to repent. John the Baptist, his cousin, called them to repent. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commandments that you gave your servant Moses. That's a great way to begin Nehemiah. It's a great way to begin your relationship with the Lord. So we go to chapter 2 and then chapter 4. And if you will read 1, 2, 3, and 4, you will see that we are to repair the walls. Now, why do we need to repair the walls? Because if the walls are down, people invading forces can come and attack them and destroy them. So this was a catastrophic loss when the Babylonians took them captive. They destroyed the walls. They destroyed the temple. They took the rights of religion from them. They led them away. And they destroyed their heritage. God had mercy on them after their repentance and brought them back. And this reading that you have here today from in this week, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 4, are about the rebuilding. The people, chapter 4, verse 6, worked with all their heart. 
Our God will fight for us, verse 20. God is with us. God is on our side. That's another very important theological point. You want God on your side. How are you going to get him on your side? I just read it from Nehemiah chapter 1. You're going to honor him. You're going to obey him. You're going to listen to him. You're going to fear him. When you and I sin, we're going to confess our sins. We are going to repent. And we're going to ask God to help us to do what he wants us to do. Beautiful scriptures from Ezra, Nehemiah, Zechariah, and Haggai. All of them talking about God's restoration and the hope that they have for their future. Now, we, as I said, we finished first and second, first Corinthians and Philemon, and now we're going to Revelation. Aha, Revelation. Now, Revelation is not an easy book. It's the last book of the Bible. There are 66 books of the Bible, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. The book of Revelation is written by John the Apostle, who wrote the Gospels, who wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John as epistles, and now the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is no easy book, as all of you know, I'm sure. And many of you may not have even read it or attempted to read it because it's not easy. But let me say some, some good things about Revelation as we look at chapter 1, chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. Certainly, we do not have time to go through all the nuances of Revelation. Just going to give you, as I've done uh, with the Old Testament and will do with the Gospel of Matthew reading. We're going to give you an overview, and hopefully you will enjoy the reading. But the worst you can do, the least you can do, please read this material as posted on the podcast. Well, what I love about the first chapter is Jesus is alive. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Look, he's coming in the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come. And then the Son of Man comes. The Son of Man is alive. The Son of Man is resurrected. The Son of Man is no longer in bondage to this world and to us, as it were. And so we read about this extraordinary person. We see this in verse 13. Someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Very powerful person. Reading down a little bit further, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am the living one, I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Death and Hades. Do not be afraid. And so we have this wonderful and very powerful view of Christ, this exalted view of Christ. Then we skip chapters 2 and 3, which are about the churches, the seven churches. And we go to chapter 4. Now, I love chapter 4 and chapter 5 very much because it's very powerful. It's, it's a very high worship element to it. 
Again, I'm not, I could read the whole thing to you. Obviously, I'm not going to do that. In chapter 4, the throne in heaven, the praise of the Lord, the worship of God, very, very well done. And then the scroll and the lamb who takes the scroll. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for men, purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Worthy is the lamb who was slain, verse 12, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. So chapter 4 and chapter 5 are wonderful and very important. I hope you'll make them part of your reading on a regular basis and not afraid to read a Revelation. A lot of Revelation is very difficult, but chapters 4 and 5, chapter 1, chapter 4, chapter 5, which we're looking at uh, today, are very, very good, and I hope that you will enjoy them. Now, when we get into chapter 6 and chapter 7, we're talking about the seals. That's a little bit more complicated. In chapter 7, the seals, the great multitude in white robes, through chapter 7, Verse 17, the lamb is the center of the throne, will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now, what we need to know is that God is in charge. God is taking care of history. He is exalted. Jesus is exalted. He's the lamb at the center of the throne. He's going to be their shepherd. Remember Psalm 23? I'm thinking also of Ezekiel 34. I'm also thinking of John chapter 10. Jesus is the good shepherd, John chapter 10. He's the one that's going to take care of us. There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be trials. It's going to be difficult, but the Lord God is going to be with us. So this might be your first taste into Revelation. Enjoy it. It also might be your first taste into Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, and Zechariah. This could be a great week for everyone. I hope you'll enjoy those, all of those scriptures. All right. We are back to Matthew chapter 12 and 13. Out of 12 and 13. I love the end of 12. Jesus was talking to the crowd, and his mother and brothers stood outside waiting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied, who are my mother and who are my brothers? They want to talk to you. Well, pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of my father is my mother, my sister, my brother. My brother, my sister, my mother. This highlights the importance, the extraordinary importance of obeying the Lord. I'm thinking of, again of Nehemiah where he talked about the obedience of God and following the Lord and then repenting in chapter 1. A great scripture. Now the rest of the week is going to be spent in the first 35 verses of chapter 13. Now chapter 13 is a very famous chapter, pretty much the middle of Matthew, because he's going to be talking about parables. He hasn't introduced parables yet. Now he's going to introduce them in the, in the very famous 13th chapter of Matthew. Remember the parable of the sower, sower the four soils. The four soul, soils, 
and then he interprets it. Whoever hears the message about the kingdom, this is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Now, Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven because it's more of a Jewish label, and Mark and Luke call it the kingdom of God. Whoever hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. That's the seed on the hard soil. This is the seed among the path, the hard path. What was sown on the rocky places, the second soil, is the man who hears the word and once receives it with joy, but he has no root and lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. So the first one falls away immediately. The second one goes a little while and then falls away permanently. What was sown among the thorns, the last, the third soil, is the person who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. So hard path, rocky soil, thorns, there's no production. The only one that produces is the good soil. That's the person, which I praise all of us, who hears the word of God, understands it, produces something, fruit, bears something. 160 or 30 times what was sown produces a great crop. Now notice there's a variance in what is produced. Not all of us are the same. But the key is that person produces a good crop. I pray all of us produce a great crop for the Lord. Then he talks about the parable of the weeds. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed while everyone was sleeping. His enemy came and sowed weeds. What are we going to do now? Do you want us to go pull them up? No, if you pull them up, you'll destroy the wheat. Let them grow together into the harvest. Collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned and gather the wheat and put it in my barn. So he's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. You've probably heard of that saying, the wheat from the chaff. And then there's a final parable about the mustard seed and the yeast. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and plowed in the field. Though it's the smallest of all the seeds, when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. Or the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a small amount of flour till it worked through all the dough. And so Jesus spoke in parables. And again, he quotes another scripture from Psalm 78, verse 2. Jesus is teaching now in chapter 13, and he's teaching in parables, another device that he uses. He's talking about the kingdom of God. That's something all of us, or kingdom of heaven, that's something all of us should be interested in. So you have quite a range this week to read from. Very exciting. Haggai and Zechariah, two later prophets. We call them post-exilic prophets after the exile into the restoration and readings from Ezra and Nehemiah, who God raised up to get them through this crisis and restoration. Secondly, we have the book of Revelation and all the wonderful nuggets of truth that are gained there, particularly about worship and how great Jesus is, which is very, very important. And then finally, Jesus is teaching in chapter 13, primarily the book of parables. And we want to think about those parables. You could study those parables the rest of your life. You'll always get something from it. Finally, I pray that all of you, your life is in good soil. You hear the word of God. 
you allow it to take root in your soul. It bears great fruit, hundred. Let me go back and make sure I've got the numbers right. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. It produces a great crop. We want all of you to produce a very great crop before the Lord. Your attention, your time in the scriptures is gonna make that possible. I pray that all of you will have a productive week in the word and a productive week in prayer and response to what God is calling you to do so that Jesus can say to you, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my mother and my brother and my sister. God bless you abundantly. We'll see you next time for the word of God.